Good morning and welcome to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Ben Dobbin with you this morning. It's Thursday morning, the 16th of November. Can you believe it? The 16th of November and we're getting through this year. It is flying. So much to get through this morning. Barb Madden, the Feedlot Association President, will join us. We're going to catch up very shortly as well and look at the property market as so much is going on. Um, around this market. Roger Hill uh, from Heron Todd White will join us as well. We'll talk with Anthony Highland. We'll continue on this road about the lack of funding and much, much more. Big show for you this morning, rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Good morning to everybody through 4SB in Kingaroy, 4ZR Roma, 4VL in Charleville, 4HI in Emerald, 4LM Mount Isa, 4LG Longreach, 4GC Charters Towers and the Hot Country Network, a very good morning to you. Let's get into it uh, and let's talk all things property. Heron Todd White, Roger Hill, he joins us next. This is Rural Queensland Today. You're with Ben Dobbin. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Ben Dobbin with you this morning. And as I said, um, this market is in a precarious position. Uh, landholders at the present moment, not knowing exactly what way to turn and speaking to a lot of agents on this show over a long period of time, they're a little bit unclear as well. well. One bloke that does know what he's talking about is Roger Hill from Heron Todd White. He joins us this morning on Rural Queensland today. Rog, good morning. Thank you so much for being with us. G'day, Ben. Firstly, um, I don't think I've ever seen a situation from uh, an industry perspective where we've had the dry times in parts of it, coupled with the lowering of the sheep and beef industry markets, they've just come back tenfold, throw in the cost of living and expenses um, and interest rates. It is almost the perfect cocktail. Yeah. Look, it's actually the second time in 10 or 11 years. Don't forget when um, 2008, 2009, we actually had the similar cocktail come together. These things just have simply happen in a market cycle, okay? Yeah. Uh, the reasons change. Last time was a GFC. Um, followed by a live export ban. Um, in this case here, you know, you, yeah, you probably do have a storm. It's been a pretty good couple of years for people's equity growth and a lot of value growth, haven't they? You know, the prices have been going pretty solidly. Um, it's not just the sheep and the cattle market, the goat market as well. Don't forget people um, have been having a lot of goat problems this year. There's only one processor. Um, so, Ben, what has been happening this year is a lower level of inquiry, okay? And inquiry is different to value. So you don't believe the market softened? Not in values have not softened. The inquiry level has softened. Right. So the amount okay, of so demand, the so the demand for properties that there was last year and the amount of people in the market trying to buy properties, that's softened, not the actual dollar value of land. Correct. So, so I'll give you an example. You know, Peron went to the market late last year, right? Between 25 and 30 inspections, right? Yeah. yeah. So took, took around. Um, and now you pull a property onto the market now um, and you might get half that interest, okay? Right. Yeah. But ultimately, within that half, Okay, so people are pulling up because of the caution in the wind. You you just listed all the issues, right? They're they're retracting back to being safe in their own home and saying, right, oh, we've got to batten that, that and down the hatches. Okay, 
But then there's half of the market that is interested in buying country, right? Yep. Because they've got a there's a variety of reasons they've still got to step up to the plate to buy, and that is because there's a lack of grass, right? In some areas, they've got to go and push some heifers. They're trying to protect their genetics, right? Um, then you sort of get another line of fellas that um, you know that. It's very, there's not many, much country actually come onto the market. So that's actually helped the value as well because, you know, just counting in North Queensland, there's only 13 places come onto the market north and northwest Queensland this last 12 months. Okay. Now, what that normally is that that's about just under half. Normally you sort of see it 17 to 25 as being a volume. Yep. Okay. So your number of places that have come on the market, yes. They're left, right? Just at the same time as the interest of inquiry is left. So, you know, there's some good, good solid pricing getting around when they do sell. Okay. Um, the clearance rate's been about 75 to 80 percent this year in north and northwest Queensland of that 13 that came on the market, um, and they all pretty much are within last year's value rate range. So it's it levelled out, Dobbo and I. I think when you talk about that storm that you spoke about before, the, is that everyone was used to a rising pricing each year. You know, I oh, would just sure. another 10, 10 to 25% increase. All they've done this year by backing off with that caution is not paid an increase on last year. Yep. So just, you know, the market can go up, it can stay level and it can go down. It just stayed level. It played out this year, and it hasn't. It hasn't gone backwards, in your opinion. And and, and obviously, you you're an expert at this, and the results, and, and 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 this is statistical because, and it's fact because you you've got it there. It hasn't gone back, and what you're saying makes a lot of sense. But they're not making any more country, Roger, and people. The demand for it in good times, um, dry time. There's heaps of factors for people with country. Sometimes in the north and the northwest, people buy country because they need feed. It's just a fact of life. Um, when the market's good and it's starting to rise again, once there's rain, we'll see it. You know that we'll see the dollar value of livestock increase as well. But do you think this speed bump has probably put the wind up and people a little that not everybody is as gung ho as what they were say this time last year? Look, it's a good thing, Ben. Um, it is a good thing because a market is a collective of human behaviour. Some of that can be cut well calculated and sensible decision making, yep, right? Yep. And then you can get into the next level, which was euphoric. Now we saw that coming in in 2020-21, and we used to call it FOMO, the fear of missing out. Now fear is an emotion. That's not a calculated business decision. So if the FOMO disappeared, right, then you're coming back to a calculated business decision. Then you're making sense. Now we're sensible. So it's like a head check. You know, you, um, you just steady up, you know. This has just been a good little steady up. And, um, you know, where there's a lot of people that have had to borrow a bit of money to hold stock back uh, while the cattle market's been where it is. Yep. Been. yep. Um, they've borrowed a bit of dough to get through to their operating costs and through till next year. And at the minute, you know, there's... You know, some of them are thinking, oh, well, this has been a good decision, and some people think it's not, but that's risk. Hey, you're in business. This is not a lifestyle. You are actually in business. And um, so we'll go into next year um, having had a pretty 
for a transactional perspective, a quiet transactional year. Yeah. Okay. We'll go into next year. Um, you know, there's, there is talk around at the moment that the next 10 days is going to be some rain. The Eki has already just flickered this last 10, 10 days. Last week, you know, we're sort of seeing some things coming together now. Um, and if we do get start getting those December rains, or if it does rain down towards Roma next week, which, you know, looks like central Queensland, that area might get a good fall. If that happens, well, straight away, that restocker product, uh, the wieners, um, there's a market, and they can come out of the north. There's a lot of cattle sitting up in the forest country because we had a pretty good season last year. Yeah, right? and look, there's a lot of people that haven't sold up there. Talking to a lot of people in the north, there is still a lot of cattle up there. Good, eh? You know, we're, yeah. we're, we're right. Everything's good. Um, it's just about how positive you are, you know. And um, so, yeah, those cattle will move down onto there. The cattle, those fellas that took a bit of a risk, they should be, you know, could see some reward coming through for taking that risk. Um, but just the industry, the property market's had a nice little head set. That's okay. Nothing wrong with that. You just got rid of the emotion, and it's the emotion when the wheels fall off. Yeah, that's okay? a big one. So pace makes weight. And, um, you know, rushing into property markets and buying properties because Johnny's now 25, right? That's not a good decision unless Johnny is Johnny profitable. Or is he just 25, you know? Yeah, very, so, very well said. See, and whether they have a know. plan and whether or not they want to be there and whether or not they're doing it for the right reasons. There's a property yeah, called Paradise right. Paradise Downs <laughs> in Blackhall, yeah. right? Good stuff, eh? Yeah. yeah. This property, yeah. Paradise Down in Blackhall, that's on the market at the moment. It's been yeah. tipped to break all records. Um, the premier block everybody talks about out of Blackhall, and I understand it and you know it. Can that be Mate damaging... Can that be damaging though, mate? I'm just I'm, I'm I'm worried because some of the figures I've heard it will it'll blow black all the black all market to smithereens, right? And so does that set then the new benchmark for every block and and then the expectation is that a dangerous situation to be in? No, nah, we actually saw the same thing happen with Peron last year. You know, um, you get a place that collectively, you know. Beautiful piece of country, well known. I mean, I've got mates that have shorn sheep down there in the 60s and 70s, and they decide, mate, the fleece was just incredible. You know, they're a big, strong animal, you know? Yeah. It's good country. Um, but people take it for what it is, right? Um, we had the same thing with Peron. Good piece of country, highly improved, well fenced, well watered. Um, and it is what it is. And perhaps with that little bit of a head check that's gone on this year, you'll get a lot of calculating of carefully calculated results. And yes, the market euphoria will be all around. But don't forget the people that squark and the people that do that euphoria stuff, right? they're not the people that are putting their hands in their pocket to pull out the checkbook to sign the check, okay? Yeah. So you can get a lot of heat hype around that, and we saw that with Peron. Um, so then what will happen there is you do get... A, a, a number of people will actually pull out of it. I go, oh, I'm too scared now. I'm not going to go on, buddy. You know, you actually get it. Some people will drop off. Yeah. Because they think it's going to blow them out of the water, you know? Yeah. But there is a lot of, um, still a lot of money in the market, okay, that hasn't been spent. I've got, I know of a lot of graziers. I'll give you an example. There's a particular auction happened in northwest Queensland in 2021. There were 12 underbidders, and those, of those 12 underbidders, they still haven't gone and bought a new place, right? 
Yeah. So they were in a position to go and buy a place. You're going to have the same thing here. You've got people that still haven't bought a place, and when a once-in-a-lifetime property comes up on the market, they will sit down, they will calculate what it's worth to them, and they will have a crack. Yeah, well, I can't wait to see what happens. Uh, Rog, we need to talk more, mate. You make a lot of sense, and a lot of people listening today, that, that eases a lot of people who... There'll be people out there who are obviously contemplating selling their properties, but, you know, every the talk is, and, and I've been critical of saying this as well, oh, the, the market's softening, it's coming back, and what you said just makes a lot more sense. Price hasn't softened, it's held. The inquiry has softened a fraction, but that's only that's only a minimal thing and probably a good thing in a lot of ways. Appreciate your time this morning, mate. Cheers, Ben. Good on you. Roger Hill, Heron Todd White. We'll take a break, come back. Rural Queensland Today talks a lot of sense. This is Rural Queensland Today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today. Well, the Gillnet Fishing Band Petition has attracted more than 10,000 signatures, and we've talked about this a lot with a lot of the politicians um, who have been there. Nick Dometo from the KAP Catter Party um, and along with Shane Knuth and Robbie Catter have asked serious questions about why, with 10,000 people signing Save Our Seafood position and tabling it to the parliament, why there is not, you know, a conversation around this. Now, Nick Dometo, who he sponsored the position and he's asking the House to reconsider Closing gillnet fishing. 9,991 was a massive number of signatures and that occurred out of North Queensland. 4,000 of those paper submissions, the others were electronic. You know, it's, you know, it's, it's quite unbelievable. Every single day people are getting involved when they learn that the fish industry might have eaten their last catch of wild Australia, out of the wild Australian waters. And this is the truth. Petitions were signed on the Bruce Highway. A lot of tourists. There were a lot of people involved. Now, let's go back to it. In June, um, fishermen on the Queensland's east coast were hit with the news that there was a federal ban supported by the state government of a long-standing form of gillnet fishing in the northern waters. And this came there, and it came, surprise, surprise, was done to appease UNESCO. We know about them. And the decision on whether to declare the Great Barrier Reef as a danger. Now, the resulting petition began when Lucas Danzi, I've had him on here, said that stakeholders, industry and public wanted the government to change their approach on the gillnet fishing. Now, they took into account the N2 fishery does not gillnet on the Great Barrier Reef. Now, everybody who was saying, all right, well, arrangements can be made to achieve that objective of all parties without banning gillnet fishing. We're happy to not fish on the reef. Australia's under more pressure than anybody from UNESCO. But the guidelines can be completely separate and the inshore barramundi fishery and the Great Barrier Reef eliminating the need for fisheries to be closed. Gillnet fishing is sustainable. It operates under very strict guidelines with quotas in place and GPS tracking systems. It always has. The Queensland gillnet fishers should not be a target and should be exempt from UNESCO. Now, the petition got a lot of signatures, 10,000. And the requests for the House to reconsider and work in the industry and develop a balanced solution to protect the Great Barrier Reef while also allowing fishing practices, including the N2 inshore gillnet fishing. 
Um, for those thinking about it, I, I, I don't give it a lot of hope with this government. Counterparty is calling for the closure to be reversed or alternately a 12-month cooling off period and will be pushing for those points when it meets the Ag Minister Mark Ferner this afternoon. I spoke to Robbie Catter literally an hour ago before I went to air and they're not very confident. They're going to meet him but they're not confident. Now Ferner needs to do this. He has 28 days to respond to a petition. Demetto said he'd hope that there would be some time available for him to consider these points and have a look at it. The Future Fisheries Task Force has been put together, but no one's clear on how it will work and how the $36 million will be, $360 million will be spent. I'm sure the dugong population won't fall off the cliff if they hold these bans for 12 months. Well, good on the Caterparty, and I don't know why there hasn't been other people going there. It, um, it has been an absolute diabolical mess. There's no other ways to describe it. Uh, from the very get-go, it made no sense. I don't see the LMP, and I don't see that at all, involved, and I don't understand why. Why has it been left to the counterpart of the independents who represent the people of North Queensland? There's other ministers up there. Quite disturbing that we've got to this point. Quite disturbing. Now, I, 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 I can only think that in some ways they could be potentially under the same spell from UNESCO because, to me, it's diabolical, absolutely diabolical what's been going on. And you would think, and you would think moving forward, um, that, you know, things are going to, to, to only going to go, get worse before they get better. The problem is that there is too many facts for the government and when they start hearing about it, they start to shudder. I can't believe it. Now, yesterday it was released. Tomorrow is National Ag Day. And the well done, the Queensland Agriculture Sector and Farming, putting on a show in the Brisbane CBD for National Ag Day. The peak representative body for agriculture and Queensland Farmers Federations will shine a spotlight tomorrow, putting on a show at Redcliffe Place, Radcliffe Place in Brisbane. It's held on the third Friday of every single November, National Ag Day, which is on tomorrow, and good on them. Now, the peak body groups, Queensland Fruit and Veg, Cane Growers, Cotton Australia, Nursery and Garden Industry, um, and the QFF will be taking the opportunity to celebrate the world-class food, fibre and foliage of the Queensland farmers. The showcase begins at 11am, runs through to 3, and gives members of the public an opportunity to engage in the industry See, touch, taste the incredible products that come out of Queensland. This is done off, the own ba- off their own back. This is done because there's no support whatsoever. So people, and we should be proud that people are doing it. The Queensland Farmers Federation will be ho- hosting a National Agricultural Day breakfast event with 180 guests at Customs House prior to the CBD showcase featuring industry panel discussions on the technology as an enabler to the agriculture future. So well done to everybody who's doing that. I mean, there is part of me who thinks, you know, these breakfasts and, you know, industry leaders and this backslapping's all a bit of, bit of crock, but I do like the fact that they're actually doing something tomorrow so people in Brisbane in the CBD can actually see what we do and can support it. 
you talk about Bureau of Meteorology, when it's ghastly, they change their they change their tune. Now they're saying the long term forecast is offering a hint of relief for farmers who've endured the driest October nationally since two thousand and two. So there's a slight swing towards an average rainfall over the summer period. While the overall three month summer outlook is still for increased odds of below, there are some modelling that is changing. Well, why doesn't this come out in front page like the catastrophic and everything else that they do go on with? That's the that's the drama that I have with it. They want to go one way, but then they won't do it the other way. Interesting times ahead. We'll take a break, come back. So this is rural Queensland today. Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. You're with Ben Dobbin. It is the 16th of November. Anthony Highland joining us this morning off the back of Dolby yesterday. Anthony, good morning. Thanks so much for being with us, mate. Uh, thanks, Ben. Mate, uh, how many head? How was the market? 3,800 cattle yard and, and, and still on the rise. It, um, the stores found another gear again from last week. We we saw some southern store quotes last week get over the three, and we weren't there last week. But this week, we were we were certainly around it on the steer section. Then, um, look, uh, I'll talk about the stores first because that was probably the real highlight. But you know, we're we're seeing steers now under two hundred kilos, which which isn't a lot of weight, um, but but consistently getting up closer to the you know two dollars ninety and plus up to three dollars fifty for the better pens of cattle yarded. Yeah, but that. That sort of scenario, Ben, followed through up until about a 300, you know, 330, 40 kilo steer. Not a lot of condition, you know, still up to $3.50 and 60. So, I mean, we've seen big gains. The averages is basically the average cents a kilo in Dolby yesterday, uh, you know, at, at 200 to, to 350 kilos was, was over $3. So that was a, a, a bloody, uh, a, a great result to see at the end of the day. And, and it followed on. Heifers the same, Ben. That well, they said it, heifers. They the quoting heifers thirty to thirty to forty dearer, and steers fifty cents dearer overall. Yeah, yeah, and that, that that's very that's that's a very true statement. And there's still there's still patches there where some some cattle don't look that, that good on paper, but it, that, that, that's still where it is, and they're finding their feet. But the heifers again, we we have seen rises. They're probably still not as tasty on paper, but, but when you look at where we were five or six weeks ago, uh, getting belted and, and, and knocked about, we, you know, now we're averaging two dollars thirty and 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 forty and and what have you, and, and getting up to two dollars seventy and seventy five for good pens of heifers there in, in the market. So, you know, <laughs> I think it's it's flicked a bit of a switch and. They either want cattle with weight or they're going to try and make it themselves. So the, the store operators are certainly into it. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, the, the, the thing that we hold on to now is it gets to the end of the year and we, if we get some rain, it'll slow the process down. Uh, out of the yesterday, though, the, the cow job, it struggled to hold and maintain its improved levels of last week. And, and look, there was only a handful of bullocks in Dolby, but cows really struggled yesterday. Yeah, a couple of couple there not in the job there this week, Ben, so I suppose that that, that holds a bit of play in, in what we do, but I mean, it, it, uh, still some cows, you know, it certainly made more than last week, but as, as I sort of said to you there before, it, it just, it, it didn't have the big leap as, as what we've seen, so very, very good still, um, but no extra money offered on, on those mid-runner cows, 
some of the cows that might look like a heifer, you know, a, a six tooth going onto a break and into their sevens and eights. Look, they were they were probably fifteen cents dear out of everything. But look, either, either side of the market, if they're a heifer or, or you know a, an old heifer or a young cow, um, bit more money on those cattle. But um, yeah, there's still. It's good to see it when the market's on the rise, but anyway, it's good to it's good to talk about it. Yeah, I agree. I, I like that. Um, and and look, they, that would give everybody a bit of hope, bringing prices through last night. And look, a fair yarding there, you know, fair yarding overall, mate. It was a good size yarding, so you would think that you know, if, if it does rain, that will subdue. Oh, I, I certainly believe so. And it, we have we have slowed down on what we're doing, and I think if yeah, people are waiting to see if this big system comes over over the weekend and um but yeah look if, if it does if it does do a bit of moisture over the weekend i'm, I'm pretty well sure that we're, we're really going to slow right off and um any i suppose look anyone that's hung on to some cattle waiting for some cash flow for the end of the end of this year and into next year will will you know well done and 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 it just might be time to pull the trigger on some of those real heavy feed i, I don't know if the real heavy feeder job can get any stronger from where we're sitting at to kill our grain product next year, like that'll be a proven point. But I mean, if there's cattle to sort of that, that probably need going, it, it, it's a good time to, to finish off the year anyway. Yeah, I agree. I agree, um, and I really appreciate your time this morning. Thanks so much for being with us, mate. And uh, we really appreciate the update. Great news out of uh, out of Dolby um, with thirty eight hundred head there and the store job much improved as well so appreciate your time anthony highland thanks so much for being with us this morning thanks ben you have a good week good on you and look we'll have a look also um there's a lot going on the 1291 in gracemere yesterday all processes were there lightweight yielding steers sold to 315 to average 241 and they had a, a huge improvement um growing steers um sold to 231 to 248 and finishing better, and you know it was a better week, and off the back of, um, off the back of everything going on, it was a really, really much improved market. And so when you see yielding heifers reaching two seventy seven, um, you know uh, up there lighter pens, and the record averages of one ninety one to two thirty seven, not a big yarding, but there was a lot there to like what went on with Gracemere, and you could see that things are obviously starting to improve a fraction. Um, there's also, we're looking at numbers everywhere at the present moment. Charters Towers had 1,422 and following no sale last week and only 1,100, the quality was good. Um, there were small lines of prime cattle and there was some quality store cattle there. Uh, increased demand saw values for light cattle improve 17 to 60 cents and prime cattle 14 to 35 Lightweight steers under 200 restockers, average 294 but topped at 322. Um, and steers above 200, 266 to 280, similar with the heifers. Heifers got a lot dearer. Uh, sold to two bucks, averaged to $1.89. And growing steers um, and many small lines uh, with values reflecting a good quality growing heifer processes topped at 206 to average 185. Or 199. So that it gives everybody a fair indication this market's starting to roll along nicely. This is Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Um, Alpha's president, um, the Australian Lot Feeders Association president, Barb Mannon, joined us this morning as the national numbers on feed remain 
pretty stable across the states. Now, they have their quarterly reports and their latest feedlot survey has just been released. Barb, good morning. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having me, Dobbo. Yeah, look, the September quarter, um, steady, 1.258 million head-on cattle. I mean, I think that's a great result considering. I mean, there's been so many factors in 2023 that could have really crushed this industry, but it showed how it is underpinned by strength and quality and despite that, that the people that are in it are committed to it from this latest report. Absolutely. You've hit the nail on the head there, Dovo. We have had some headwinds, absolutely. And I was even just thinking back the last probably three or four years since we've rolled out of the, the droughts into COVID, then into flooding and then into wars. And, you know, 2023 is producing, you know, similar headwinds for us. So we are an industry that um, is resilient. Um, we have strong processes um, and that we abide by every single day, caring for our cattle, land and communities. And you know, overall, our product is in demand um, domestically and globally, despite all of the, you know, rising uh, cost of living pressures. So, uh, yeah, really strong, uh, sustainable results for this September quarter. Yeah, the thing about this year, and it's been difficult, is that it's it, it's the chicken and the egg, and I, and I say that feedlotting's got to continue for for Australia and for our export industry. It has to continue on this way. But you could understand that there are people who are like, oh, well, you know, we can't, all this hard work and all the money that we made last year for the first time in a long time, gee whiz, we're giving some back. But all in all, it's a a cyclical business in the sense that you have to stay in in there. And and that's the hard thing. Feedlotting's never been one of these industries that you can just come in and come out now different story if you're drought feeding or whether or not you're wanting to hold the cattle and, and and go on with them a little bit and some people do that but the majority of people are in this for the long haul so as tough as it's been from and I'd love your input on this from within what has been the mindset of the feedlotting industry is it just well this is just not our year or is it very much well month on month it, it, it differs as such Look, first of all, I think lot feeders are a different breed of people. We, you know, you don't go into lot feeding thinking, oh, you know, we'll see how it goes. Like you, you dive in boots and all, uh, I think, for starters. So if you're a lot feeder, there's a certain type of, you know, moral compass and ethic and all of that that goes into the people that we, that we are. Secondly, I think we are a high volume, low margin business. So, and sometimes there are no margins. So we are about throughput and providing consistent high quality supply of product and I think in the early days when lots when feedlots were kind of started we were very much cyclical drought model when the pastures died off you know producers would send cattle to feedlots we'd fill up and then we'd empty out once it rained again no longer is that the model where we're a more sophisticated industry now where we've got branded beef um suppliers wanting high quality consistent product they want it to be delivered 365 days a year and that is what feedlots can provide rain hail or shine we um we can get product to processes on to specification on time you know that's that that's what suppliers um processes want because they want to be able to send it around the world and domestically to families the Grain price, you know, the commodity price, um, that's one thing. But 
I'm concerned about where we are for energy. Um, it, it, no secret, you, you guys, your costs. And, and talking to, at the AMIC conference a couple of weeks ago, the biggest thing I got out of it was that, and thinking that oh, all the abattoirs are making money, is the cost of what it does to run an operation like an abattoir. Well, the same goes with a feedlot. And when you look at fuel and you look at electricity and, and you look at your commodity costs, they have all gone up considerably. How are people managing that? That's, that, that's the big thing. And, and, and is that a concern to the industry and, and, and something that you guys are having conversations uh, with ministers about? Because you, you, it's unsustainable at some point. And I understand people are doing solar and there's all these other ways. But the, the nuts and the bolts of it is that the price isn't going anywhere, but the costs are absolutely astronomical. They absolutely are, and I think that's that's applicable to any business, actually, uh, in this day and age. And I think businesses need to be prudent within their financial reporting. And I know from our business, we report monthly on exactly the, the metrics that you're talking about there and looking for ways to reduce costs. So, and as I said, we are a high volume, low margin business. So, as you say, when those cost of uh, production uh, measures increase, you know the margins decrease. You know, and com- the commodity pricing side, you know, that goes up and down all the time. So, there's lots of factors at play there with, uh, you know, how the commodity market works, as you know, and the same with the feeder steer prices. So, where our input costs are rising. You know, we just need to be across our financials, understand where they are rising and what we can be doing to um, try and reduce those. We've implemented or expanded our solar farms at both feedlots, and I know many other feedlots are doing that as well. So there's there's plenty of avenues that we're exploring to try and combat those rising costs. But at the end of the day, what we need is domestic and international markets to be wanting our product, that high-quality, consistent supply of uh, grain-fed beef. So if we can keep those markets wanting our product, we can manage those um, our, our cost pressures. Is that the big secret for feedlotters who are operating at the moment, to take matters into their own hands in a lot of ways? Is that is that the way it's heading as such? Absolutely, I think. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. with your solar, with your solar, because I think about that in years gone by. That's a decision that you made. You're like, right, we need to do this ourselves because otherwise you'll be priced out. Now, there's also a responsibility about renewables, and there's also um, a love of the environment, which everybody does, and and that is a big factor. But the bottom line is that you can you can control your costs with solar. That's exactly right. And we are seeing it daily, um, you know, and the technology is evolving over time. So that's been an absolute win from our perspective. Uh, and I do think it's up to businesses to be, as I said, across those financial metrics within their business, as with any business, whether you're a lot feeder or, a, you know, a hairdresser. I don't know. It, it, it impacts everybody at the moment. Uh, but I, as I said, it's about making sure that your end product meets those specifications that people want globally. And that's all about our marketing and branding and ensuring that we are sustainable and doing, you know, good ethical practices and our animal welfare standards are up to it. So it's a whole host of things that is driving that demand for our product, um, which is keeping us very busy on the ground. Yeah, I think it makes so much sense, Barb. Um, what's your prediction? Do you, will it come back into favour this industry, you think? You think? I mean, look, I fed some cattle this year, and I am—I actually made some really good money out of it. And the next month, I, 
I tore it all up. It's very, very. <laughs> it was a month by month basis. I got my fingers burnt. But um, sorry to hear that. Ah, yeah, oh, well, I just I wanted to be a part of it. I wanted to feel like everybody else did. You know, like I felt mm. that I needed to be part of it. But um, twelve months. You guys look at and predict. Can you see? Can you see it being profitable again? I can, I can. I think we've been through the, you know, the dips before, um, albeit for different reasons. And I think we are a resilient industry that, um, as I said, I keep coming back to what we actually produce. It is high quality, consistent supply that is nutritious and safe food. And I think, you know, we had a, a wonderful scientist came and speak at BFX, Dr. Annalene Patagacci, who talks about the importance of red meat in a healthy diet. And you know, again, I just cannot emphasise the importance of of our product sustaining, um, you know, the globe with in their nutritional needs. So, uh, yeah, I, I, we might be in a trough now, but over time, and this is what lot feeders do: we are resilient and we ride the ups and the downs. We capitalise on the ups and we expand and we, you know, put that those nest eggs away for the times where where there is a trough. But um, overall. As I said, we've got consistent suppliers now, people who want our product. It's not the peaks and troughs of the 80s where we filled up and then emptied out. You know, we have more consistent um, cattle on feed because that product is in demand around the world. Yeah, you're dead right. Great to chat. Thanks so much for being with us. It's it's underpinned by some wonderful people, the feedlotting industry here in Australia, and I think it's... It's in good hands. Really appreciate your time this morning, Barb Madden. Have a good Christmas if I don't talk to you before Christmas and enjoy your time off. No doubt you'll get to the beach, I I suspect, but it's also a time where a lot of your employees go away and it's hands and heels and you guys are on your shoveling bunks on Christmas Day. That's exactly right, Dobbo. I appreciate that and Merry Christmas to you as well. Good on you. Barb Madden, uh, Australian Australian Feedlotters Association President. We'll take a break, come back with more. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. A lot of talk about the research, ag research and marketing body executives not giving out their wages. Most Australian major levy and taxpayer funded agricultural research development companies are hiding executive and directors' wages. Uh, This is reported by Ed Gannon in the Country Life and I can tell you five statutory companies have, um, but who hasn't? Meat and Livestock Australia, Dairy Australia, Australian Wool Innovation, Hoard Innovation, Live Corp, Australian Pork Limited, Sugar Research Limited, Australian Eggs Limited, Australian Meat Processors Corp, Forest and Wood Products Australia, do not detail their or put their director's pays in. Grains Research Development, Agri Futures Australia, Cotton Research and Development, Fisheries Research and Development and Wine Australia all reveal the exact amount of money they're managing directors or chief executive officers are getting paid, as well as senior management. Now, look, if you're a privately run company, I don't have any problem with you not disclosing how much money you make. But when you are funded, you need to declare. Australia's research and development companies um, and organisations are funded by a mix of funds from levy payers and taxpayers. That's fact. The biggest one is Meat and Livestock Australia. They received $97.7 million from grower levies and 94 from taxpayers in 2022-2023. I'll repeat that. $97 million from you and $94 million from the taxpayers. However, they don't release the remuneration. Jason Strong's wage is not there or any of the board of directors. Meanwhile, Grains Research and Development Corp. received $261 million in grower levies, 
132 in taxpayer-funded money. And they're compared to reveal that Nigel Hart earned a total package of $500,000 last year. When asked why they didn't supply their details, MLA responded, please see section 12.1 of the statutory funding agreement. They're not, they're not obliged to disclose individual direct remuneration. Well, I'm sorry, that, that to me doesn't, doesn't sit. The same response came from Australian Wool Innovation, Dairy Australia, Live Corp, Hort Innovation, Australia Pork Limited, Australian Meat Processors, all did not respond. The financial statements comply with Australian's accounting standards. Hort Innovation said it's non-listed public company registered to the Corporation Act in 2000. I mean, come on. Australian Shareholders Association Policy and Advocacy Manager said like any listed company, an industry-owned RDCs need to have a measure of accountability. I agree. Given that they're funded by taxpayers and, and industry participants, we need some clarity. And I don't think this is wrong. David Foote, Chair of Cattle Australia, the representative body for grass-fed cattle levy payers, said he was open to changing the rules under which the industry-owned RDCs operated. It's not unreasonable for a company funded by compulsory levies and taxpayers to be transparent in areas of their operations. If any other statutory RDC is required, we need to see that. I think, and David Foote makes a lot of sense. MLA, a lot of people question it. Jason Strong's a good bloke. But you know what he needs? They need to come forth in what the directors and what he's being paid. There's got to be some accountability. I understand it's a big organisation. The money's coming from taxpayers. And the money's coming from you, levy payers. Every time you sell a beast. And so guess what? We need to know where the money's going. Sooner rather than later. We'll take a break, come back. This is Rural Queensland Today. Well, that's it from us here this morning at Rural Queensland Today on Thursday morning, the 16th of November. Hope you've had a great day and we'll be back tomorrow morning from 9am, Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Bill McDonald joins you next. Stay safe on the roads and remember when the weed is ripe, keep the headers rolling in the paddock. Hot days at the moment. Here's hoping the change happens and we get some rain over the next week or so. I know how hot it is everywhere throughout Queensland. Till next time, see you later, and we'll be back again tomorrow morning from 9am, rural Queensland today.